And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Two Guys and a Mike podcast number 16, hitting the sweet 16 spot now. I uh, hope everyone had a good week, especially watching the Super Wildcard uh, weekend last week. Uh, first things first, let's get into it. Make sure you follow us on our social media page on Facebook and Twitter at Two Guys and a Mike, number two. See down in the description below for the correct spelling. Uh, first things first, as we all we always like to kick off the podcast is our segment. What are you drinking? Uh, this week's pick was brought to you by Logan. So Logan, why don't you kick us off for us? All right. Well, this week we're getting a little twisted with the original hard iced tea with a hint of lemon. The assault weapon of drinks, twisted tea. All let's right. So let's open. crack them open here. Always a good can. Popping sound over the fresh mic there. All right. Um, first impression is not as good as I hoped. <laughs> yeah, I think it's... <laughs> Doesn't it bring you back to your college days? Um, not even that. Like, So I really like like the brisk lemon tea that comes in like the bottles. I can drink those like water. I was hoping for a little bit more of that flavor. This is a little more, I don't even know what the word is. It's a little more uh, rough, I guess, not as smooth. It's not bad. It's just, it's not as good as I expected. Um, scale of 1 to 10. No, 1 to 5. Uh, 1 to 5, sorry. Simple. 1 to 5. We're going to go with a two. I probably wouldn't purchase this again. Yeah, I'm kind of on the same same wavelengths as you. Um, a little sweet for me, um, which is kind of interesting since I like some more, um, you know, sweeter liquor type drinks. But um, I'm going to give it a, a three out of five just because I could probably drink a couple, but I uh, probably would not buy uh, another six pack of this anytime soon. Oh, you actually got a six pack. Wow. Um, so I went to the gas station and, and got the lovely 24 ounce here. Yeah. So I, got- I wasn't going to even bother with a six pack knowing I probably wasn't going to drink it again. Uh, I'm going to say it's a one out of five. Um, this kind of reminds me, and I'm taking another sip here. It kind of reminds me of like the hard, like Mike Lemonades, like the Smirnoff stuff. Oh, but those were so much better. And that's what I was getting at. Like, this is supposed to be tea, and it's like I barely, t- like, I really have to, like, you know, I'm not a tea drinker, but like, I barely taste any tea in this thing. So it's like, yeah, I don't know I, what to I, make of it. I think for me, it's whatever makes it the hard alcohol. I'm not sure what they used. Yeah. But I, th- I think that's what's really killing it for yeah. me. Yeah kind of lingers there yeah that taste i taste the tea the tea part's fine it's a very unsweet tea kind of it's not i guess it's not super sweet but that's yeah it's that that alcohol they use is is not the uh the choice for me no all right let's call this the miami dolphins of tea no this is this is like the jacksonville jaguars (laughs) of teas gosh one step above the Jets. All right, so let's get to some material now. All right, so we got in this week's show, we're going to talk about the NFL Super Wildcard Weekend, of course. The NHL is back in the discussion. We'll make our NFL divisional playoff picks. 
and continue our fastest NFL award show and two NFL Hall of Famers talking smack. So let's move on. We got. And this week, the puck is set to drop on the 2021-2022 NHL season. This NHL season will look a little different as the season has been abbreviated to just 56 games. They sold the naming rights and realigned the divisions and made some tweaks to some rules. We'll get into those topics, however, at a later podcast. But this week, we want to announce who we have as our preseason Stanley Cup champions. To kick, to kick us off, who do you think is lifting the Stanley Cup this year, Brian? Uh, so, I mean, I had the luxury of watching the Lightning win last year. Um, and if it wasn't for the news that came out a couple of weeks ago about Kucherov... Um, having surgery and missing the regular season, I think it would have been a no-brainer um, that they had the best chance of repeating. Um, with that being said, uh, I'm still going to pick the Lightning. I think they have a very deep roster, and the hopeful news is that Kucherov um, is back for the playoffs. Um, and with the season, of course, still kind of up in the air as to whether there's going to be delays for certain games we've seen it in the NBA. Um, we saw it very seldomly in the NFL. There's a chance that the season would be elongated a little bit. I'm hoping that helps the chance of, of coming back, but uh, I'm going to pick the lightning as my favorite um, this year. Uh, I think Washington and Boston are always, you know, top contenders um, in the East. And then uh, just if I had to pick a couple teams from the West that, to make a run, uh, probably Vegas and Colorado, um, but unforeseen or without any unforeseen uh, circumstances in Tampa, I would say that they're probably the favorite. Logan, you're the expert here. What do you got? Picking this year was, was really hard kind of for two reasons. Like Mike said, we have an abbreviated season with only 56 games compared to the normal 82 games. So we're talking about like 26 less games. You know, the NHL has always kind of been this physically tough endurance grind and, and, you know, guys are always playing hurt at the end of the season. So... With only 56 games, it's interesting how that will factor into a lot of these teams. Um, even some of the older teams might not be as gassed at the end of the season because, you know, it's it's significantly shorter. You know, it's 30% shorter. So it's it's hard to say. Plus, with the new playoff format, um, so as a, as a brief kind of overcap, the first two rounds will be um, interdivisional play with eight teams. Um all the four realigned divisions. So the winner of the four divisions then are reseeded based on their regular season rankings. So one V four, two V uh, two V three. <clears throat> so it's, it's hard cause you don't have that East West kind of constraint that you have where, you know, you always have the East winner and the West winner, you know, this year you could have both teams out of, out of what was traditionally the West, you know, facing off in the, in the Stanley cup. So it's a little bit harder this year. Um, so kind of with all that in mind, you know, I think the two teams that I see coming out are, are the Lightning, like Brian said, and, and Colorado. Colorado's been an up-and-coming team, very, you know, kind of a younger team, but, but still with good experience. Um, I think that they have probably the best two chances, but the Lightning are such a deep team. That roster has like experience on every line. Um, they get Stamkos back this season and he looks to be healthy. Uh, even though they've lost Kucherov for the year, uh, who's arguably their best offensive player that only freed up cap room for them. He freed up like almost $10 million in cap room. 
Um, and with the hard cap in hockey, it's you can't go over. So it allowed them to sign some players like Sergachev, uh, uh, Cernak, and Sorelli um, to three-year deals each. So it it's a benefit in terms of they're able to, to retain some of those winning guys in the team. So w- with the depth, I'm going with Brian. It's, it's the Lightning. Mike, how about you? Taking the Capitals? I got to go with the Capitals. I don't know the what the story is going to be this year going forward with our uh, new goaltenders here, uh, with Holpe being out. Um, so it's going to be interesting to keep an eye on that. But uh, surprising signing of Chara from uh, Boston. Uh, that signing. was huge. And I, I no clue how that was arranged or whatnot. Um, also, look going forward with the new coach this year. So I'm excited for that. Um a true veteran coach back on the Capitals bench is going to be huge for us. I think we need that experience going forward. Um, it was stupid that we got you know rid of our old guy when we won the Stanley Cup. Don't know why that happened. Dumb move. Um, but good to see that we have a veteran coach now. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited for the Caps. But, yeah, with this short season, you got to get hot fast, and you got to ride it all season long. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, bad news for uh, Lundqvist as well. Uh, I know that was a, a signing you guys made, and then he ends up having was a heart surgery or open. Yeah, he had heart problems uh, that had to get worked out. So it was unfortunate that you know we couldn't have had him. Um, that would have been really exciting to see that. I, I think that'd be a, a true veteran uh, team all the way around, and you know that would have been fun fun to see. But unfortunate that you know we lost him. Yeah, the only thing about the Capitals. Is that's an old team that's getting older? They are. Yeah, we do. We do have a lot of young players, though. But yeah, but they're still the oldest average team. I think their average age on the team is like thirty, which in sports years is pretty old. Yeah, especially in hockey when you're constantly skating up and down the ice and being strong and physical. But we'll see. Maybe it works out to our advantage. We'll find out. Ovechkin still has to get those uh, goals to beat Gretzky. So. He's amped mm-hmm. up and excited to do that. All right, moving on to our NFL. Uh, last weekend, we got to enjoy the league's first super wildcard weekend. The weekend certainly ended on a wild note as the Cleveland Browns thoroughly dismantled the Pittsburgh Steelers. But we also got to see the Ravens dance on the Titans. Uh, Buffalo hold on to their first playoff win in 25 years. And the Rams defense stifle Russell Wilson and the Seahawks. The Bears' offense continued to struggle, and of course, Brady continued his playoff dominance with his new team. Guys, what was your top takeaway from the wildcard weekend? Logan, what do you think? I'd like to start off by saying I'm happy for our resident uh, Browns fan, um, them getting their first win. Um, I also think that Washington uh, may have found their quarterback with Heineke. Uh, The Bears' offense is still horrible, and uh, I think they need to fire their head coach. Uh, but my biggest takeaway was the Ravens. Um, they looked formidable. I think that they're one of the hottest teams right now. But really, I wanted to focus on their conduct and how they conducted themselves in this win. Uh, in the final minutes, um, the Ravens intercepted Tannehill, and the entire Ravens defense proceeded to run out on the field and dance and stomp on the logo for the Titans. Um, and then after that, in the final kneel down, Lamar Jackson then just took off with 30 seconds left on the clock and ran to the locker room. 
you know, um, didn't come back out and shake hands with the Titans players. I'll excuse the Ravens for dancing on the logo. That's an in-game kind of thing, although it's petty and kind of bad taste. Well, they're um, getting back at the Titans doing it on, on Yeah, and it, and it was in response to what the Titans had done when they come out and, and all stood on the logo and, and the November matchup they had. Um, so I'll excuse that. But the Lamar Jackson springing off the field with 30 seconds left and not shaking hands reminds me a lot of LeBron from what we saw in the NBA playoffs last year. Um, well, Brady's I was the really, same way. I was really critical. Yeah, I was really critical of LeBron for doing that. And and I think the same goes for Lamar. He's the leader on the team. The, the post-game handshake is a, is a great tradition across sports. It's supposed to take place after as a sign of sportsmanship. And for him to skip that is disrespectful and juvenile. Uh compete hard and leave it on the field after the game, shake hands. I guarantee you we won't see any of that with Brady and Breeze or Rodgers and Goff or, or whoever's in it for the Rams. Um, I think we'll see a little bit classier, but I, I lost a lot of respect for Lamar Jackson this week. Mike, what do you got? You know, I, I got to stick with Washington. I mean, uh, uh, Taylor Heineke was just uh, mind-blowing to come in there and, you know, put on a spectacular show. Uh, and going up against, you know, the GOAT, Tom Brady, uh, you know, probably the greatest quarterback that we're going to see uh, in a long time, I think. Uh, just phenomenal what he did. Uh, by no means was this a blowout. Uh, Washington was in the game the whole time, uh, you know, going back and forth. Uh, I don't think we ever – we never had to lead, but, you know, it was always within reach, and it was always, you know, you know probable that, you know, we could come back and take the lead. Um, it's just unfortunate that it didn't happen, but I think going forward, of course, Washington's going to have to figure out, you know, who they put in for quarterback, uh, next year. Um, you know, who becomes the leader, uh, Rivera already kind of, uh, said in, in, a, in a recent press conference that he was kind of torn that, you know, earlier in the year, he didn't have a QB contest to find out who the QB was going to be. Um, I think also part of that is because he's, he's pressured by the owner, Dan Snyder to put the draft pick in. Um, and see what he's got, but yeah, Taylor Heineke I think is is definitely the biggest takeaway from this game. Uh, you know, just playing with heart and passion in this game, stretching out for you know a touchdown. I mean, it's just crazy what this guy did, um, and getting a lot of respect from veterans in this league. I think that's that's my biggest takeaway from this game. So, Brian, what do you got? Yeah, um, I'll just. Real quick, great story about Heineke. Um, I was reading today, he was actually taking some college courses um, before he got the call up, and he had to call his professors and ask to take the final exams after the playoff weekend because he, he was did. starting. Yeah. And uh, from what I read, they were all pretty receptive <laughs> and and gave him a pass, which which is I think is just a great you don't get these sto- these stories in my opinion in any other sport. We have Wofford and now Heineke. Wofford had the link- LinkedIn profile um, a couple weeks ago or before the beginning of the season, and uh, I think his comments were that he's undefeated with the LinkedIn profile still active, so he's going to keep it that way. Um, just two feel good stories um, over the last couple weeks. Um, takeaways for the the first weekend. Um, first of all, I'm just going to say I'm, I'm buying big time on the, the new format. I like the super wild card weekend. I like there, there's a seventh team, um, in each division. Um, but with that being said on the other, on the flip side of that coin, I think we're seeing a very big division of power between the conferences based on the games that I've saw this weekend. Um, 
you know, the Bears were almost an embarrassment um, in that game. And then looking at the Browns, who were the seven, um, or I'm sorry, the sixth seed um, in the AFC. I mean, every team in the AFC was 11 and five or, or better entering the playoffs. So the AFC has become a dominant conference. I think we touched on that um, last week or the week before. Um, but I'm way more excited for these AFC matchups than the NFC ones, other than the fact we have Brady versus Breeze um, in the uh, Saturday or Sunday game. But uh, I'm seeing a big shift to the AFC this year, and uh, unless there's some good draft uh, potential uh, in the draft this year, I'm not sure uh, what the NFC is going to do to kind of balance that out in the coming years. I mean, the AFC has all the top young uh uh, candidates for quarterback. I mean, I think they said uh, you know the top four were like under the age of thirty, like like twenty six or it's something like twenty five. Like yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Mayfield is the oldest one, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's take a look at this week's divisional matchups, and this week we will kick things off with the NFC. Uh, the Rams are coming off an impressive upset over the Seahawks, where they shut down Russell Wilson. But this week, the Rams are up against the NFC number one seeded Green Bay Packers and MVP candidate Aaron Rodgers. This season, the Packers dominated the NFC North, but scattered just enough breadcrumbs of doubt with losses to Tampa, Minnesota, and Indianapolis. What do the Rams have to do to take down MVP hopeful Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Brian, what's the Rams' plan to be successful in Green Bay? I think it's two things. They got to they gotta get to Rodgers and play good defense. And then they need to not turn the ball over on offense. Um, Rodgers is MVP candidate. He has shown again that he's going to rise to the occasion and be that MVP type quarterback that Green Bay's had for the past 15 years. Um, They have a very potent offense, dual threat running backs, um, one of the best wide receivers in the game. They, the Rams need to pressure Rodgers and keep the ball on offense. I think that's the only way that they win this game. I think the Packers are just way too overpowered. It's the same story that we saw with the Patriots for so many years. The game plan was get to Brady and keep him off the field. And I think that's what the Rams need to do if they have any chance uh, this coming Saturday. Logan? Yeah, you know, that's certainly they got to shut down. Rodgers, and, and part of that is also getting uh, good coverage on Devontae Adams. Um, certainly, Jalen Ramsey did a good job last week, for the most part, against uh, Metcalf, minus that, what, 50-something yard touchdown. Um, but I, th- I think Jalen played really good against him, and he's got to do the same thing against Devontae Adams. But really, I think the key here is if the Rams are going to win, they need the rookie running back cam makers that go hard again and put up 100 plus yards rushing use that clock to their advantage the packers have a run defense it is vulnerable i mean they're that's not the best defense so they they have you know they have to do that they've got to control the clock they've got to you know limit Devonte adams big plays um they've got some injuries they're still dealing with but i i do think that most of those guys will play i think goff and wolford will probably be available um I don't know who's going to start, but, you know, they also kind of have injuries to uh, Aaron Donald as well as Cooper Cup. So they need those guys to play through the injuries and and uh, hang in there. I know that 
on paper the Packers are the far superior team, but these guys all made it to the playoffs for a reason. Um, they do have a, the Rams do have a good defense, so we'll see what they can do. Mike, so I was amazed. You know, last week you know, the, the the Rams defense. It's like where were you guys all all year? And and you know you put it into this game, and you know they just had a, a spectacular performance. Um, you know, just it was. Like like I said, we we haven't seen that all year. I think the Rams truly dominated the game with their defense, um, and that's obviously what they need again. Another big defensive game here, and they can't let Aaron Rodgers sit back in that pocket and throw all day. Um, you definitely got to get him moving, um, get him outside the pocket, get him uncomfortable, and that's what it's going to take. I mean, I don't think there's going to be much offense coming from the Rams necessarily, but the defense has to light it up again. They got to do it the same process what they did against Seattle. So, so real quick, who does it matter who's in quarterback for the Rams? Should Goff play if if he has a good warm up? Um, I know that he was throwing the ball with velocity this week in practice. Um, you know, Walford certainly adds a different dimension to that team. Maybe a little bit better decision maker, a little bit more mobile. Does it matter which quarterback plays? I think it matters. I mean, it, no, you know, the whole Wofford thing is great, you know, good good story, but as much as we want to hate on Jared Goff, he's been in the Super Bowl, and this is crunch time, high pressure. I think that you still have the argument that Goff is the more athletic quarterback. The only th- reason we're having this conversation, of course, is the thumb. But he did enough last week to win. It's not like he was put in the game in the fourth quarter. I mean, how many minutes into the game was Wofford out? It was the first quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like it was fairly right. right, I thought. One of the first drives. Right. So with that being said, if Goff's ready to go, you got to roll with him. I mean, he's the quarterback who got you to the playoffs. I know they were on the, the, the fray there in the very last week of the season where they needed things to go the, the right way for them to get in, which it did, but... He is a Super Bowl quarterback in the terms of he played in the Super Bowl. I think he gives you your best shot of winning um, this coming weekend. It, it, is the other guy even even cleared? Because like he went to the hospital, get checked out. Yeah, he he came back. He it was just a stinger. He came back. He was there for the end of the game. Okay, so I I don't know if he's like in concussion protocol, but I think for sure they have to go with golf. I mean, I don't see him going back in and you know risking maybe another head injury or something. Uh, that's all I got there. See, I'm I'm on the opposite. I think that you got to go with John Walford. I think he he provides a little bit of more of a dimension. The play calling seems a little bit more decisive when he's in. Goff has seemed to kind of just be a game manager. Um, if you're gonna beat the Packers, I think you you can't have that. I think you got to provide us a little something extra. I think that Walford is probably the better option. But I'm not sure that it matters which one is in. I think you got to go with the guy you pay more. <laughs> you, you know, put up or shut up. Uh, obviously, if he doesn't do it, you, you, you pull him. But, I mean, got to go with the big guy. Um, all right. So it seemed inevitable that Breeze and Brady would match up against each other as both 40-something-year-olds won their respective Super Wildcard Weekend matchups. This will be the third showdown between these two teams this season, with the Saints winning 
uh, the previous two matchups, rightfully so. This game focuses will be on Tom Brady and Drew Brees, with Brees winning five of the pair's last seven meetings. Will Brees and the Saints complete the hat trick, or will Brady and the Bucks continue to win on the road? Logan, I think I know who you're going to pick, so why is it Drew Brees? <laughs> uh, you, you caught me, you know. Uh, uh, the Saints, <laughs> you know, they, they swept the regular season, the combined score of 72-26. Um, so I'm I'm gonna say the Saints do complete the hat trick versus the Bucks, but in order to do that, they need another outstanding game from their defense. Uh, they need to be dominant performances from Kamara and Breeze. Um, Breeze has looked a little bit shaky, uh, I think. Uh, certainly not as as efficient as you would expect after coming back from the rest. But you know, if you look past Breeze's reputation, the Saints had the better defense. They had the better offensive line. They've got the better track record against quality opponents this year. But it's it's hard to look past Brady, especially when he's got an arsenal of Evans, Godwin, Brate, and Gronkowski. But Brady's kind of looked average against the Saints this year, and, you know, Breeze isn't looking great. So I think it's going to be a close victory with the Saints over the Bucks. Um and I really hope this is kind of a memorable matchup between these two guys because this may be the last time we see a meeting between Breeze and Brady. So, Yeah, no, I, I, you kind of took my point, which was I think this might be the last time we do see um, this matchup in the playoffs for sure. Um, you know, I, I think Brady comes back no matter what. You know, he's got the contract. So um, but I'm taking the Saints as well to complete the sweep. I just think that for a guy, I know you, you, you criticize breeze a little bit for not looking as sharp, but I mean, this is talking about a guy who fractured how many ribs? 12. Yeah. Something crazy. I mean, for him to even be playing this season, I think is incredible. Um, I've heard people who've broken ribs say that it's been years and they're still have moments where they have excruciating pain. If they, they move the wrong way. Um, so, He's playing better than I could have imagined for somebody who broke twelve ribs. I think Kamara, uh, Kamara's the, uh, you know the the wild card in this game. We've seen him go off time and time again. I don't know if the Bucks defense is going to be prepared to stop him. They obviously have it in the first two matchups. The games in New Orleans, I think the 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 balance is tipping towards New Orleans. The more and more I think about it, so I'll pick the Saints to complete the sweep. Um, of Tom Brady and the Bucks, and uh, you know, b- bold prediction. This might be Brady's last playoff game. Hmm, that's an interesting one. All right, so I guess I'm the oddball out here. Um, I'm kind of surprised by this, but I'm actually going with you know the goat. I'm going with Tom Brady and the Bucks. Um, for some fun reasons, and I don't want to hate on the Saints because I, I thoroughly enjoy watching the Saints. I, I, I like watching Drew Brees play. Um, he's also been a you know great you know fascinating quarterback t- to watch when he's ever on on the TV. Um, but Brady with officials and the officials not doing so well with the Saints. Uh, you know, doing them doing them bad. Uh, who's to say it doesn't happen again in this game that you know the Saints lose the game because of a bad call or something. So are you saying that the referees complete the hat trick against Breeze? 
against oh we get against Breeze. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the the opposite uh, hat trick I'm going with here. I'm, I'm for sure picking that. Um, as you know, the past two two years, you know, it's you know, it's been an unfortunate story for the Saints that you know they get thrown out uh, due to some bad calls. Um, so I'm definitely taking that. I think something can happen there. Uh, definitely, I think for sure Drew Brees has to retire after this year after the, after these uh, you know rib injuries. Um, I mean, it's, it's crazy that he's even in there playing right now with with that sort of stuff going on. Um, but you know, that, that's, that's his heart. That's his, that's his team. You know, it's his city, it's his team. He feels he's got to go. He's got to get in there. He's got to do it right. Um, but this very well, it's sad. I mean, it's coming to an end that we're, that we're talking about this, but it, this very well could be their last matchup together. And yeah, unfortunately, I think Drew Brees is out next season. I don't think he's coming back. But I am picking the Bucks. I'm going with the GOAT. I'm not going to go against him. Uh, he, he's got the Super Bowl wins. You know, he knows how to get there. I think he's 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 got his team a little bit dialed in right now. And Tom Brady and the Bucks moving on. So, all right. So, switching over now to the AFC side of the league. Uh, we had the Baltimore Ravens traveling to Buffalo to take on the Bills. Both teams have young, dynamic quarterbacks and are almost evenly matched, with this week's matchup only having a two-and-a-half-point spread. Both teams got their proverbial monkeys off their backs, with the Bills winning their first playoff win of the 21st century, and the Ravens getting their first postseason victory of the Lamar Jackson era. Which quarterback will win their second playoff game this weekend? Brian, you're the Bills fan and they won so you can start us off here oh it feels good to say that the bills won a playoff game first time i've probably said it in my life you know because i didn't have the vocabulary when i was three um but i'm gonna be a homer i'm picking the bills it's in buffalo bills mafia we've got fans in the stands um I am nervous for the game because I, you know, the Ravens coming in with the number one rushing attack and the Bills defense has not been um, the best against the run this year. So I do have concerns, of course, but I do think that there was a big cloud hanging over any Buffalo playoff chance until we won a playoff game. It was a battle last week against the Colts. The Colts and the Ravens had the same record coming into the playoffs. So, you know, we can argue here all day, which team's better um, the Ravens are certainly more dynamic, um, as you stated, Mike. You know, with Lamar Jackson under center, but I just I'm I'm feeling the Bills this week. It's in Buffalo. It's going to be cold. I think Josh Allen's hyped. He got his first playoff win as a quarterback, regardless of the whole stigma around the Bills winning a playoff game. That's a big one as well. I think they sink into it, and that passing game comes forward and uh, picks apart the Ravens' defense. Logan. Yeah, I think last one. week. <laughs> <laughs> I think last week we definitely saw the Ravens' run defense is better than advertised, and that they, you know, they have the second best kind of defense at in the league against at least against stopping the run, um, especially in those short yardage situations. But none of that matters because the Bills don't rely on the run game; they rely on Josh Allen. Josh Allen, the Bills' receivers are uh, you know a force. They make players cover the entire field on that defense. Uh, particularly the sidelines. The Bills led the league in completions and yards 
to the left and right sidelines. Then you throw in, you know, Stephon Diggs and Gabriel Davis, who can really do some acrobatic stuff along those sidelines and really turn those, you know, what should be out of bounds plays into upfield runs. So it's I'm giving the offensive edge to the Bills. Um, the defense for these two teams are kind of similar level of talent. Um, I think the Bills maybe have more athleticism in the secondary. Uh, last week, you know, they had their safety hide, broke up three passes against the Colts, including that Hail Mary at the end. He also had seven combined tackles. I think he's going to be a big reason um, that the Bills win this game. and help. Not to interrupt you, but you know Micah Hyde was thinking about flashbacks of Arizona during oh, yeah. that last play of that oh, game. Sure. He was not letting that happen yep. again. Yeah, and they, you know they did a good thing about knocking it down instead of trying oh, to catch yeah. the ball. But oh yeah, uh, you know he's going to be a big person that's going to have to contain Jackson and that that run pass option. Um, you know, bottom line is Jackson and Allen are a pair of like really thrilling to young quarterbacks, dual threat playmakers, who are going to spend the next decade squaring off against each other. Uh, but they're all going to face off each other for the right to play against uh, Patrick Mahomes. So you are picking the Bills then. I am picking the Bills. Okay, I think, it's I, I think they're they're edging out. Yep. All right, so I think we're I think we're all going Bills on this one. Um, I I know the Ravens have been winning towards the end of the season, but it just has not looked consistent. Has not looked pretty. Um, you know, I I don't know what happened with the Titans. I honestly don't. I mean, I. I I picked the Titans to win that game, and I was they just did not look like themselves at all. Um, could not contain Lamar Jackson in, in rushing. I mean, it was just crazy. And that's kind of where a lot of the scoring plays come was, you know, Lamar Jackson broke free. And it's just like, okay, well, you had him. Um, Lamar Jackson, uh, one big takeaway from last week was, you know, when he gets back in the pocket, the longer he holds that ball and if he doesn't run – the more mistakes he makes. And I think that's an edge for Buffalo. Uh, they are going to be all over that. They're going to be forcing him out of that pocket. And he's going to be scrambling. And we'll see if he makes those same mistakes. We'll find out. But riding with the Bills. Bills moving on. The Bills can stop the the the, the uh, run pass option in the RPO. I think they win the game. Make Lamar Jackson beat you with his arm. I think that's the key. Good. So, Brian, real quick, outside of the Chiefs, are the Ravens a team that you'd like to play the least in the AFC? Well, I mean, I I, I don't general sides. Yeah. I I really was rooting for the Steelers last week because you know before the game I had no idea what the Browns were going to do but I really didn't want to play the Ravens or the Titans for the only for the reason being that they both are big run teams and we played the Titans once already they ran all over us I think the the meme of the year is Derrick Henry stiff arming Josh oh, Norman yeah. like 5 yards out, out of bounds Oh, um, yeah. Like throwing him five yards out of bounds, not that he was already out of bounds, but um, I think I the the team I really didn't want to play was Tennessee. So I'm kind of glad that the Ravens knocked them off because the Bills did play the Ravens last year and it was a close game. And I think Lamar Jackson's play has declined slightly this year. I mean, he won the MVP last year, right? So I mean, he didn't go up in play because he's not in the in the conversation, but. Um, 
I would say other than the Chiefs, it was the Titans with the Ravens as a close th- uh, third there in the AFC. All right. All right, now to our last and final game. The Cleveland Browns over the years have been synonymous with a tragic list of bad things. From embarrassed fans covering their faces with brown paper bags, a bunch of tragic quarterbacks, and a painful string of lost seasons. However, be embarrassed no more. The Cleveland Browns have won a playoff game. That's right. The Browns showed up and dismantled the Pittsburgh Steelers 48-37 in the wildcard round Sunday. The win was the franchise's first postseason victory in more than a quarter century and has earned them a trip to Kansas City to face off against the defending Super Bowl champions. Now, will the Browns' Cinderella story continue, or will they turn back into a pumpkin next week? Logan, do you believe it could happen? The Browns beating the Chiefs. So I have to start by giving the Browns credit they deserve. Uh, the Browns' run defense, uh, run defense and the special teams really stepped up, especially in the first part of that game. And that's been like the most dominant opening to a playoff game I can ever remember. Uh, I don't remember ever seeing a team take control that well against a good team ever. You know, uh, Baker Mayfield handed the ball off like a champ. He even threw the ball pretty well. Um, certainly all phases of that team have, are greatly improved from the beginning of the season. Um, but with that said, it's been a nice run. Congratulations on your first uh, postseason victory in 25 years, and we'll see you next year. Um, you know, this week they're going up against so rested Patrick Mahomes, uh, Tariq Hill, and you know Kelsey and the rest of the Chiefs. And th- that team is just going to pick apart the Browns secondary, and there's really nothing they can do about it, I don't think. Uh, Mahomes... And the Chiefs are, have the second highest um, number of 20-plus yard plays from scrimmage this year, only behind the uh, Texans. And, you know, Mayfield's just not going to be able to keep up with uh, Mahomes, I don't think. Um, he, he's not going to be able to hand off the ball that many times. He's not going to have to be able to show those, sh- uh, throw those short uh, passes. You know, the Browns should be, should be happy of their 2020 season. They got... A lot they can build on next year, but, you know, Sunday night was kind of their Super Bowl, and, you know, this game is going to be a reality check for them. So, Mike, how about you? What do you think? So, I'll be honest. I mean, I'm a little bit nervous for the Kansas City Chiefs here. Um, You know, going down the pipe, they weren't playing top-notch football. Uh, They were getting wins for sure. But they weren't playing their top-notch football, and, I, and I'm hoping that with this bye week, you know, they were able to figure stuff out, dial in, you know, this is the playoffs, you know, you got to come in, you got to dominate the game, and, you know, get that W, move on, get yourself to the big dance. Um, so that being said, I'm I'm nervous for the Kansas City Chiefs, you know, the Browns are, were just crazy dominant within the first five minutes of the first quarter. I mean, they just completely shut down the Steelers and they didn't even know what happened, what, where, where they went wrong. You know, they were stunned and they just could not get back in the game to do anything. And I mean, it was, it was the Brown show. That's what it was. You, you, You saw that game. You saw the Browns. You didn't see anything from the Steelers. And we talked about this well, in sort of cut you off. I mean, I think we did see something from the Steelers that we saw bad play after bad play. 
they are just as guilty as the Browns as making good plays. The the Browns made the plays they need to make, but the Steelers, you know, starting off by throwing it 10 feet over, you know, Roethlisberger and, and tip passes. I mean, they capitalize on them, but uh, you know, they certainly weren't, you know, they they weren't on it. And, and, you know, we talked about in previous uh, podcasts, you know, when, uh, Washington handed the Steelers their first loss of the season. You know that really just you know snowballed into everything else. And we were saying back then, you know, it was a wake up call for them that they didn't answer. You know, they didn't have a response to it. Uh, you know, going down towards the end of the season, and like I said in, in previous podcasts, it's going to be an early exit for the for the Steelers. And sure enough, bam, gone. And the Browns too. I mean, that's just crazy. But, you know, total domination by the Browns. Major props for them, uh, you know, winning their playoff game. And let's let's see if they can ride that train on into Kansas City. But we'll see what happens. So, Brian, what do you, what do you got for this one? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm slightly concerned for Kansas City um, because I know Cleveland's going to be riding that high, just like the Bills are riding theirs, um, into this game. And I don't know if I'm too keen on what the Chiefs did in the last week of the regular season. I understand they wanted to rest their starters, obviously, for the playoffs. But it's been, what, three weeks now since uh, their starters have played? Um, You know, there's always an argument there that being fresh and ready to go is better than taking multiple weeks off. So I do expect the Chiefs to come out a little slow. Um, But ultimately, I think the Chiefs are just way... The Chiefs are not the Steelers. It's not even close, and that that offense is going to get into their groove. It might take a quarter um, for them to get there, but they still have Patrick Mahomes. They still have Tyreek Hill. They still have Travis Kelsey. I think they overpower the Browns, and like Logan was saying, unless the Chiefs have horrific mistakes like the Steelers did in that first quarter, I don't think the Browns get that lead in this game to the point where the Chiefs can't overcome it. Um, so I, I, I'm going to stick with the Chiefs. Congrats to the Browns. It's awesome to see them win. Um, from a fan of a team who's had the same struggles, I get it, and it's great. Um, but these are the defending Super Bowl champs. I just think they're too overpowered. I think one thing to note is that the Chiefs are susceptible to kind of shooting themselves in the foot. They are the like second most penalized team in the league. Uh, they left 300 yards on the field, like in terms of call playback, called back plays. Uh, so they, if they are kind of slow to start, they could end up in some long yard situations where, you know, they have a holding or you know a missed uh, miscue and and end up with maybe some flags that kind of put them behind or help out the the Browns. All right. Well, that wraps up our divisional picks. Uh, do we want to do a quick recap or just uh, keep going? For yeah, picks? I think I think uh, well, we'll recap last week. Um, you know, Brian and I had three picks each. Uh, Mike, you had two. Um, this week, I think we're all taking the Packers. We're all taking the Bills. We're all taking the Chiefs. And the only game we're different on is uh, Mike. You're taking the Bucks, and Brian and I are taking the Saints. There you go. So that's that's my one game. The to bring go. back a tiebreaker here. <laughs> I mean, if if there's a game to do it, that's that's the game to do it. I agree. That's that's it. 
All right, so going on to our fastest three-minute NFL award show, part two now. Uh, this week, we are wrapping up the two guys in a mic three-minute award show. Uh, this week, we'll hand out our offensive awards, uh, offense of player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, and our big one, the most valuable player. So, Brian, let's uh, let's start the clock here. You got one minute. Offensive player of the year, offensive rookie, and your MVP starting now. All right. So, quickly, offensive player of the year, I am giving it to, drumroll please, Travis Kelsey of the Kansas City Chiefs. He has been, again, astonishing this year. In 15 games, he broke uh, Kittle's record. Um, There's only so many tight ends in the league right now that are playing elite. He is the guy to beat. Um, so I'm giving it to him for his performance this year. Offensive Rookie of the Year, I'm going to one of my own fantasy players, Jonathan Taylor for the Indianapolis Colts. He, this guy is an elite runner. I wanted the Bills to draft him this year. They let him pass up. He led the league in rushing for rookies this year. He's had 1,700 all-purpose yards. I think he's going to be great for years to come. MVP, it's Homer time. Josh Allen, first playoff game for the Bills in 25 years. I think that he is playing the best football by a quarterback right now as we talk today. Mahomes better watch out because next week could be over. There you Logan. Go. <laughs> All right, so let's go with you, Logan. We got one minute on the clock. Your offensive player of the year, offensive rookie of the year, and your MVP starting now. All right, for offensive player of the year, I'm going Derrick Henry. You know, he rushed for over 2,000 yards this uh, season, which is the fifth mode in the Fifth most in the NFL history. Uh, he's won the rushing divi- uh, title the last two consecutive years. He did better than the Vikings uh, running back, Dovin Cook, running almost 500 more yards than him this year. Just dominant play. I mean, he really powered that Titans offense. My offensive rookie of the year, I'm giving it to Justin Herbert, even though he only had a 6-9 record. Uh, he managed to set a number of individual records. Uh, not only did he set the rookie touching passing record, but he also set – the rookie total touchdown record uh, for a single season, breaking Cam Newton's 30, um, 32 record set in 2011. And my MVP is Aaron Rodgers. Uh, it's, to me, it's tough not to see why you give it to him. He had 48 passing touchdowns, led the league. His passer rating was also best in the league at uh, 121.5. He's only thrown five interceptions all year. Time. Music is playing. And one, one thing, Rodgers threw 48 touchdowns. The Packers only punted 46 times. So he threw more touchdowns than they punted. All right. So one minute on the clock for me. We got Offensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie of the Year, and my MVP starting now. All right. uh, My Offensive Player of the Year, which I'm kind of surprised we all got kind of get different people here. Um, I'm going with Devontae Adams of the Packers. I mean, he is just... You know, lighting it up with Aaron Rodgers, um, and that's truly his. You know, his night on the team, the go-to player. Uh, just you know, amazing year for the, the two of them. Uh, you know, uh, moving on to my uh, rookie of the of the year here. I'm going with Justin Herbert um, again. Just Logan touched on the record. It's unfortunate. Uh, their defense just wasn't there this year. Um, the coaching staff wasn't there to support them, and coming off the bench. Uh, you know, to get that start and just, you know, ride or die and go in the year. I mean, he was phenomenal. Uh, MVP pick, Patrick Mahomes. Only one loss in the season. 
gotta go with him. He's he's getting you wins constantly, and it's a great team, great matchup. Uh, looking forward to them going to the Super Bowl back to back. Yeah, that's all I got. Good job, good job. All right, so that was our fastest three minute NFL award show, and we talked about the pick'em. So let's move on to an interesting topic here. So who you got? Uh, on a recent episode of To's podcast. Hall of Famer Randy Moss was asked who he believes is the best wide receiver ever. Uh, Moss put himself first, T.O. second, and stated that Jerry Rice is probably third or fourth. When asked about Moss, Moss's claim, uh, Rice responded, if Randy wants to put me number one, that's fine. My main thing is it was all about the rings. So who you got as the best wide receiver ever? Moss, Rice, T.O., Logan, who are you going with? Jerry Rice is clearly the greatest wide receiver of all time, hands down. Uh, he's so far ahead of everyone else in receptions, yards, touchdowns, that I'm not sure those records would ever really be surpassed. Uh, he's got the combined worth ethic, worth work ethic. Uh, he has explosive off the line, maybe not the fastest guy overall, but really quick off the line. And just a perfectionist, and that's kind of another combination you really need to become like the poster child for the wide receiver position over the years. Uh, if anybody that's playing today is going to break his record, I think that they're going to have to be like an elite, elite wide receiver for at least 15 years, you know, to even come close. Um, Moss, I have him in my top five, maybe top four, but uh, he's definitely not number one. So as a metric, Moss averaged 70 yards per game throughout his career, where Rice averaged 81 yards per game. Brian? Yeah, I mean, it's Rice. I, and T.O. even in the conversation. I don't know about that. Um, I would say Larry Fitzgerald uh, is more deserving to be in the conversation, um, or maybe even Megatron. Uh, but, yeah, Logan outlined it all. Receiving yards, touchdowns, um, average yards per game, it all goes to Jerry Rice. I think the only – um, stat that Randy Moss can say that he was better than Jerry Rice was um, yards per catch um, because Randy Moss was that home run hitter, right? So, I mean, all of his, his catches were big down-the-field catches. Um, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, the GOAT's Jerry Rice when it comes to that position. And I'm just looking at the yardage right now. 22,895 yards in his career. The next closest player is Larry Fitzgerald at 17,492. And uh, I don't think he's going to beat that record. Uh, He's at the tail end of his career. So longevity, good quarterback. It's going to take all the right ingredients to get to Jerry Rice's level. Um, And not even Randy Moss got close. So after, you know, hearing this statement when when this came out, you know, it was all over the, the press here. I just had to laugh my ass off at Randy Moss. Um, you know, I know it's been a while since any of us have actually, you know, seen him play since he's been out of the league now for a while. But I just think Randy Moss is one of the most self-centered players ever, period. And I can't stand it. Uh, you know, football, it's about the team. You know, what are you, what are you contributing to the team to get the win? You know, that's what it's about. It's about going to the Super Bowl with your team, and it's about getting Super Bowl rings. 
Um, I mean, Randy Moss was notorious back in the day for giving up on plays, screaming at his coaches and quarterbacks constantly, played in two Super Bowls, and lost them both. So what did he do? Um, Jerry Rice has to be the pick. I mean, he holds multiple NFL playoff and Super Bowl, that's right, Super Bowl records. Um, and he has three Super Bowl rings. Moss, what what ground are you standing on to target Rice and put him three or four? Or, like, are you crazy? I mean, this guy's an, just an absolute idiot in my book. Um, and no, I'm sorry. I, I would never even want Randy Moss on my team. The way the way how he played and um, just his attitude. I mean, it's he was a mess on the field, and you never knew what Randy Moss you were going to get. So I just had to laugh at that. No, I'm hands down Jerry Rice for sure. All right, so real quick, agree or disagree? My my rankings go: Rice, Fitzgerald, T.O., Moss, Calvin Johnson. I'd agree. Yeah, it's good. It's a good ranking. Yeah, I, the reason why Calvin Johnson number five is he has to, he didn't play as long as the other guys. That's fair. So, all right, Mike, take us to the state in sports. All right, in 1996, the great one Wayne Gretzky recorded an assist in the New York Rangers' 6-2 win over the Montreal Canadiens at Madison Square Garden and became the first and only player in NHL history to reach 3,000-point plateau, including the playoffs. Anybody know who number two is? No clue. For two for what? The, uh, no, the number two in total points for a career. Ovechkin. Nope. Ovechkin's <laughs> like either seven or six now, I want to say. He was eight last year. It's a countryman of of, uh, of Ovechkin. I can't remember the guy's name, but I remember he showed up at one Yager. of the games. Jagger. Yeah, Jagger. And Jagger's, I mean, I think he's still playing somewhere. Not in NHL, though. But nah, he's playing like Russia. Yeah. I mean, that guy's a beast to be playing at his age. So, all right, all right you going on with the next thing? Yeah, ending this this week, we're going to say happy trails to Tommy Lasorda. Lasorda passed away last week of a heart attack at age of 93. Tommy was a, a charismatic guy who loved baseball, loved the Dodgers. Uh, he wore his heart on his sleeve, kind of best known for coaching the Dod- or managing the Dodgers for 20 years. Uh, he spent 71 years with the Dodgers organization. He still, up until the last year, was involved in the, in the franchise. Uh, my kind of favorite memories from him um, where he got mocked by the uh, Philly Fanatic, went out there in the field, chased him down, stole his four-wheeler, kind of beat him up a little bit. Hysterical video. Uh, if you great have not video. watched if you, it. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, you got to go check it out. It's great. And then my, my second one was kind of more recent where uh, he was a third-base coach in the All-Star game, and uh, I forget who it was, but somebody broke their bat, and it kind of flew and kind of hit him. He kind of awkwardly stumbles and falls over backwards while attempting to kind of get out of the way. Uh, just comedy. Afterwards, it was that Barry Bonds came out and gave him the chest protector to wear for the <laughs> for the third base coach. Uh, just a, a guy who was really passionate about his job, loved sports. Um, not not guys. There's not a lot of guys with that kind of love for the sport. There's certainly guys that love the sport, but Tommy Lasorda was one of those guys who really believed in, in baseball and and uh you know 
Happy trails, buddy. R.I.P. All right, guys. Remember, uh, make sure you follow us on Two Guys and a Mic. Uh, make your drink suggestions because we're we're running out of ideas. We're gonna need some help here going forward. Um, and feel free to post your memes, your sports memes. You know, get us a laugh. You know, tell us where you're from. Interact with us. Always looking for feedback. Uh, connect with us. Facebook, Twitter. So more things coming. We'll see you next week. This has been Two Guys and a Mic.